It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head over to betonline.ag. Use the promo code PODCAST1. You'll get a 50% sign-up bonus. Actually, it's 100% right now. Sign-up bonus today. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. He is Joe Dolan, the number one-ranked fantasy analyst in the galaxy. Over the last five years, according to the independent objective process that they go through at fantasypros.com. And we got him every week at FG underscore Dolan. Love my guy, Joe Dolan. Thank you, as always, Joe. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, classic journeyman, Tweeted out a picture today. It is my 15th wedding anniversary. Wow, that went fast. And I do not recommend, as I tweeted, at Ross Tucker NFL. And I put it on Instagram as well. Maybe I'll do Facebook later. I don't know. At Ross Tucker NFL. I tweeted, I do not recommend, for those of you that are not married yet, making your wedding day the heaviest day of your life. I, I, would, not, I would not recommend that. I was 335, three weeks post-back surgery. But... The important thing is you got to get the other person right, and I got the other person right, which is very, very nice. Hopefully, we got about 50-plus more in us uh, in this great life we're living. So speaking of the great life we're living, it's primarily because of you guys. Um, It really is. You are the great listeners of all of our different shows, so we like to reward you every once in a while, and we have a best ball tens draft coming up. It's me. It's Joe. We're going against you. Step up against the number one analyst in the country in Joe Dolan and me, the ruggedly handsome former offensive lineman. Yeah, who likes fantasy football too. Today's winners, Jeannie or Gene, I'm not sure. I'm going to go Jeannie. Jeannie Notch, who is a nurse practitioner on the front lines of COVID. Mark Ranallo, who's north of the border in Canada. And Anthony Deville, who served 20-plus years in the U.S. Navy. What a great threesome this week. Uh, yeah, that probably did not come out right, but you guys know what I mean. Get your heads out of the gutter. I will say this. Next week, it's four. Next week, it's the final four because there's 12 people in these drafts, these best ball drafts, which are so fun. I love drafting, and then you set it and forget it during the season, and you might win 120 bucks. Pretty awesome. So it'll be four people next week. So that'll be six and four is 10. And me and Joe is 12. All you have to do is take advantage of any of our sponsors over at RossTucker.com or, or go to fantasypoints.com and sign up using the code feast. Fantasy points is Joe's employer. It's incredible. I highly recommend you sign up whether you use the code feast or not. But you get a discount if you use the code FEAST, so why not? All caps, F-E-A-S-T. Speaking of FantasyPoints.com, I've been telling you guys about the last couple weeks, maybe the last three weeks, why don't we just bring on the head honcho? Why don't we bring on a man who is a legitimate legend 
in the fantasy sports industry. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, I don't know that there's anybody that's been doing it for longer than John Hansen, the fantasy guru who started that website, sold it for a bazillion dollars. I checked on Twitter. It was a bazillion dollars. Now he started fantasypoints.com. Check him out on Twitter at fantasy underscore guru. Guru, it's Ross, it's Joe. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. This is an honor to be on the Fantasy Feast podcast. It's been a while. It's been a number of years to be with Joe and, of course, Ross, to be with you. It's fantastic, and uh, I appreciate everything you said there. There are a couple of people, at least one, who were in the industry and doing this before me, Bob Harris, um, who's on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, I believe started a year before me. There's a couple dudes doing magazines who've been doing it for a while. But in terms of like the online delivery of fantasy football content, yeah, I mean, it's me and Bob Harris, I would think. So maybe I'm second, Ross, second oldest. Okay, so I know you've told the story before, and Dolan's probably heard it a million times, okay? But I want to know what year it was. How old you were and what, what the hell were you thinking? Like, I mean, you just, Hey, I'm going to have my career is going to be as a fantasy football. What is this? Like the mid nineties. Yeah. Mid nineties. Yeah. I've told it a lot, especially over the years, last couple of years, kind of writing little blog posts and Twitter posts, kind of addressing, you know, the changes in my, you know, career and all that stuff. So yeah, 1994, I was working as a, as a disc jockey, you know, like, come at you, you know, all that stuff. And um, <laughs> there there was a little TV station in, in the studio. Long story short, that station all of a sudden had a, a good number of viewers. They were trying to do kind of local talk show programming and sports programming, things like that. And, uh, you know, a, a couple of guys in my league kind of kind of used the guru word when it when it came to me with, with my picks and prowess and all that and um so that was in my head and uh i told the guy this guy was doing this little tv show i said oh you should have me on uh to talk fantasy football i said they, you know they call me the guru in my league and, and all that and uh he did i went on there and believe it or not in 1994 it was it was quite popular so the next year i was a young father i was, I was 26 years old 25 i believe in 94 26 whatever mid-20s i was a young father had a college degree. It was not a great time in the economy. It was really before the internet blew up and I was look, looking to get into media and broadcasting and all that. Uh, so I decided to kind of start a business and do it on the side because my advice was really good on this show in 94. I said, well, I could, I could kind of do this little newsletter and kind of market it and sell it on the TV show and maybe make some residual income on the side to, you know, to help out the family. And that's pretty much what I did. And the next year, I got contacted by ESPN, which is obviously incredibly fortuitous. And uh, I was the first person to write about fantasy football on ESPN.com. I actually did the first radio spots and, and actually wrote the first TV piece ever aired on ESPN uh, relating to fantasy football. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. I was very aggressive. I was really into it. I was willing to do almost anything. You know, I, I had some abilities in terms of writing and being able to broadcast things like that. And, um, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there and I just kind of pushed hard for decades. Um, and basically here we are, but what's interesting is, you know, you mentioned the fantasy guru and all that. Yeah, that is the website, um, that I did sell. I actually had kind of designs on 
kind of just doing media and all that. But at the end of the day, you know, I had such a great collection of rock stars and, you know, a firm place in the industry. I said to myself, wow, this is really dumb if I don't continue with this. Not only that, being active producing content on a website enables me to do the media without really any prep work. You know, actually last year I actually had to prepare for the Sirius XM radio show. I'm like, this is BS. What the hell am I doing here? I'm, I'm normally ready to go. Right. So, uh, there were a lot of reasons, but I just outlined a few of them. So, you know, I thought maybe I'd be a little weirded out by it all, you know, starting over and all that, but it's actually had the opposite effect. I'm like Tom Brady here, not to compare myself to the goat, but he's energized now in Tampa. And I'm energized now at FantasyPoints.com. I love it. So I guess the the follow-up question for me would just be, obviously it's changed quite a bit in whatever it is, 26 years. What, you know, Joe does a terrible job of selling Fantasy Points on this show. Joe just says, it's awesome. Cosell's on it. It's awesome. Did I mention Cosell? I am like I am like the biggest cheerleader for fantasypoints.com. But since you started, by the way, Joe's the man. He knows I'm just kidding. But since you started, what is unique or different? And people are going to think I'm like doing this as a plug. I'm really not. Like a lot of pe- a lot of people have already signed up, which is great. fantasypoints.com, use the code feast all caps. What is unique and different about this site? And sell me on it, right? Like sell not forget me, forget Joe, like, sell me on what's unique and different about this site and why people should subscribe. And really, while you're doing that, you're really talking about how the industry's changed over the years. Yeah, well, for one, had I not been exposed and around such a collection of brilliant people, I would still be semi-retired. That that really, at the end of the day, is the main reason why I'm back in business here and and working actually working a lot of hours here, uh, because the the collection of people we have is is just so uh, incredible. But you you are correct in that the industry has become so much more sophisticated than it was 25 years ago. Obviously, I had an edge early on in the industry. I was just ahead of everyone, basically, Um, always being really proactive, always being aggressive and scouting young players and things like that. I just have a really good intuitive feel for this. Um, You know, obviously, this this day and age, I have a, a very large knowledge base to always go back on. But again, you know, to give you an example, one of my favorite examples is when I had a hard copy newsletter and that's where it started before the internet 95 was a little too early to go 100% online. So it was still actually snail mail for a couple of years. My, my favorite analysis piece was a comment about Jamal Anderson. And this is what it was, Ross hard copy newsletter. So space is at a premium, right? My analysis for Jamal Anderson week, whatever it was in 1998, whatever, 97, he'll be fine. That's it. That's it, Ross. And guess what? <laughs> he was. He ran for 120 yards, a touchdown. He caught like four balls for 40, whatever. <clears throat> you know, you can't get away with that in this day and age. And I still believe that I can compete with anyone in the fantasy industry. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind. And, I, and I've done that. And I'm competing right now, uh, actually, against these guys in a, a startup dynasty draft that we're doing right now. 
but these guys are better than me in terms of really truly breaking it down specifically from the data perspective i'm not a math guy i'm not a data guy i was a c student in math i'm just i'm just different i bring a different approach i'm a little bit more of um you know kind of a life experience kind of a guy and i have a good ability to bring in myriad points in terms of uh, a player or an, an analysis and, and kind of really come to a good conclusion. So, you know, if, if I were out there right now in 2020, really breaking down data points and things like that, it, it wouldn't, the content wouldn't compare uh, to some other stuff out there. So Graham Barfield, Scott Barrett are, you know, high end on that, on that front. So we have that covered. Joe is kind of a little like me in that he's, you know, a qualitative and quantitative guy. He kind of puts it all together. You know, as you know, Joe's very articulate, speaks very well. So he's got a lot going for him. That's why I hired him in the first place. You know, he had never done a damn thing in this industry, but you know, I brought him in because I, I absolutely saw something. Uh, we have our guy, Tom Brawley, who's a little bit kind of similar to me in terms of being a qualitative type of a guy. So at the end of the day, the staff represents, um, myriad viewpoints and myriad angles and really at the end of the day all we're trying to do is get the answers to the test and get it right and what's fascinating about me with the data guys i'm not a data guy you know i'll look at numbers obviously and you know i can be impacted by them but i'm just not a data guy but at the end of the day my analysis my picks my favorite players they're the same as Graham Barfield and Scott Barrett. I always come to the same conclusions. I'm just not as good as these guys are in terms of breaking it down as to why, and that's very critical in this day and age. So I think we have, a, a again, we call it kind of a dream team, not to mention Greg Cosell. I mean, you want to talk about qualitative analysis. That's really my, my strength. Quantitative analysis. I mean, we've got it all married together in the form of what I believe is um, – outstanding content there's no question uh two things i say i don't know joe if i've ever told you this by the way joe you're having a great show so far uh, ross this has my, been my best show yet <laughs> hey i will say this uh john and no no joke and i've sent some of them to joe still every week i will get an email i just got one yesterday from someone that says ross big fan Love the fantasy feast, you know. When you lost Evan, I was a when Evan left, I was a little I was a little upset, but I got to tell you, I'm so happy. Joe's awesome. It added another fantasy analyst to my repertoire. Like every week, I'm not just saying that. Every week, I get the same email from different people. So you absolutely can see them coming. There's no question. And um, I, the thing I say to people. And I've said this since I'd say like three years after I retired. People that aren't into fantasy football, I've got no problem with that. But what they don't understand is fantasy football analysts are the best analysts out there. Like yeah, the amount are. of time that you guys put into it. Look, I, I'm friends with a lot of beat writers. They have kind of a different job. They go to the locker room. They watch practice. Like – I'm just saying, like, if you really want to know what's going on in football and know what's happening, fantasy as an industry, they run circles around the beat writers. It's, just, it's, not, really it's, it's really not even comparable. 
No, no. You know, and Ross, I believe you work with Charlie Weiss on Sirius XM, and I did a show with him for a full year, like I did with you several years back, you know, once a week. And um, initially, I was like, oh, boy, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. But by the end of the by the end of the season, I mean, if you ask Charlie himself, like, what do you think of Hanson with his knowledge? He he's pretty blown away, you know, by by how deep we go in terms of understanding, you know, depth charts, offensive schemes, uh, how it relates to the players and fantasy production and all that. So if we can, you can impress a guy like Charlie Weiss, a four-time Super Bowl champion, I believe, four or five. I think he got one or one or at least one with the Giants, three with the Patriots, of course. Uh, if you can impress a guy like Charlie Weiss, uh, who's an older school dude, uh, yeah, I, I think you're doing well. And uh, at least in Charlie's mind, um, fantasy analysts and, and alike, you know, gain some respect. I remember, Ross, going to the Combine as early as 05 and, you know, I'd meeting people and telling them that I was a fantasy person. They, they look at me like I had a, a second head, you know, like, a, like, like, what? Like, yeah, OK, whatever, dude. 15 years later, it's like, oh, wow, you're a fantasy guy. That's awesome. You know, so people are starting to finally get it that, you know, it's really popular. And people like Joe Dolan and uh, Graham Barfield, Scott Barrett, myself, um, we're in this position because, you know, we work really hard. and We know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. And so here's one thing I like about you, John. And everybody, I don't think a lot of people know this. You are essentially the fantasy counselor to the stars. I mean, there is no chance. I don't know who's on the Mount Rushmore of fantasy analysts. I don't know who the quote-unquote most well-known guys are right now. I get that. I guess it's Matthew Barry and Evan Silva and you, John, and maybe Fabiano because he's on NFL. And what, whatever, right? Yeah, whatever. But you are the fantasy counselor to the stars. That that maybe that should have been your website instead of fantasy points. Like yeah. fantasy counselor to the star. That's probably too long. The but only problem you, though, Ross, is I'm a big suck up to like Hollywood stars, so I always comp them subscription. So if, if I just had a, a site that we you know counseled the stars, I don't know if we'd make any money um, because I, I can't I can't charge these people. Uh, I just think it's so awesome that you know Jim Cramer is reading Joe Dolan's columns. Uh, for years and years and, and others and, and Paul Rudd. And um, as Joe knows, what, what's actually probably the most amazing thing about that is the number of MLB players, current and past, who are like, I just kind of love me and love the site. I don't know what the hell it is, but uh, we just seem to have this, this attraction to uh, MLB players. And Ross, I'm talking big names. I mean, I'm talking Cy Young winners. I don't want to name names. Well, you know, I can, hold I can second, tell you the first one. I, I want you to drop. I want you to drop some names. Like I know Paul Rudd is is a is a subscriber. I know Lisa Ann, the porn star. Like I I know a bunch of your people. I don't know anybody else that has that many people like you. And I got to tell you, I love when you say that all the baseball guys play fantasy football. Because it's so true. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of every kid under the age of 13 in the United States that plays soccer but watches football. You know what I mean? Like, right, hey, right. Johnny plays soccer when he's 10, but, like, all Johnny and his friends do is watch football and play fantasy football, even though they're, 
They're soccer players right now. I love hearing that the baseball guys are so into their fantasy football teams. Yeah, it really, it really is amazing. Uh, I was going to say the first name that that came across my desk that that I saw was in 1998, and back then, you know, I was pretty much doing all the work for the website by myself, and we only had. I'm trying to think of how many subscribers we had in 1998. It wasn't many. It was like 4,000 or whatever. So I kind of saw like every order that came down the pike. And I was writing for ESPN.com. 98, summer of 98, I see an order of Fred McGriff. I'm like, oh, whoa, the crime dog, you know. I love the crime dog. So I, I reached out to him. And I've been friends with uh, crime dog ever since. Uh, he came on the Sirius XM show a couple of uh, weeks ago. He's awesome. He loves it. Um, but these guys are so competitive that's what it is in, in many cases ross they just they just love to compete and especially the retired guys they're um you know they're out of the limelight a little bit and um they love to get involved i did a draft on sirius xm by the way about five years ago where i collected all these dudes and we did an mlb it was like sirius xm versus mlb fantasy league i mean we had we had the crime dog in that we had ken griffey jr Guess what? I beat his ass and I won the league and it was it was fantastic because he was really competitive. He came on the show and he was man, was he competitive? So you know why these guys are great uh, because they're so damn competitive. I think that's a, a big factor with these MLB dudes being so into fantasy. Um, I I love that. I love the um, the stars that all love you and that you casually are like texting these guys. I remember one time. We had like Lisa Ann on the Sirius XM show we were doing, and I was asking her like questions about her industry that I was really interested in, like testing and unionization and stuff. <laughs> and and like Paul Rudd texted you and was like, "Yo, your dude's really asking her right now about <laughs> testing and like yeah. if they could if they have a union." But like I don't know, it it sounds stupid, but like as a former player. You know, you kind of understand working conditions and why that matters. And in that industry, I, I think working conditions are very important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've actually met another celebrity type through Paul one time. Paul came on the show and a friend of his out in L.A. was listening and he texted him. He goes, oh, I didn't know you know the guru. I love that guy. And it was uh, actor James Marsden. He's been in a million movies. You, you've yeah. seen him before. For sure. Great guy. And Paul's a great guy, too, by the way. And he, you know, I'm sure people know that he's a Chiefs fan. I mean, that is 100 percent true. Like he will give up. He probably would have given up his career at this point because it's already been unbelievable for the Chiefs to win a, a championship. Well, he didn't have to do that. Uh, no man happier on earth other than maybe Andy Reid when the Chiefs won that Super Bowl. Uh, than Paul Rudd. I also thought you were going to, Ross, uh, touch on, you know, one other thing that I think you got exposed to with working with me. And it's that at the end of the day, we are still talking about fake football here. Look, I want to get it right. I want to have great analysis, all that stuff. And that's why, again, I've surrounded myself with this all-star cast. But at the end of the day, it's fake damn football. So let's have some fun, right? Right, Ross? I mean, it's just so much more enjoyable when you just use humor in any way you possibly can. You know, I do things with names. It annoys a small segment of people. But how many freaking times can you say Ben Roethlisberger 
over and over and over. <laughs> Big Ben, no, I go Large Benjamin with it, you know. So I do enjoy having fun with this, you know, in 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 full. And you know, one time Ross, Comcast Sportsnet, I was doing a TV show on there, Fantasy Fix, it was called. And uh, right before the show started, you know, an edict came down that I had to wear a tie. And you know what I told him? Have a nice life, guys. I'm out. <laughs> And so, then they, re, re, you know, re, you know, they backed off of that, and and I didn't have to wear a tie. All right, so let's let's give the people a little bit of info here. And by the way, Joe, you don't even know this yet, but next week, since it'll be the final four people that we will select that sign up at fantasypoints.com using the code Feast all caps that will be in the Best Ball Ten League against you and I, Joe. Next week, you and I will be doing a Best Ball tutorial, uh, how people should attack a best ball draft, best way to go about it, etc. But for today, the last couple of weeks, Guru, we did rookie quarterbacks, rookie wide receivers, rookie running backs. We specifically had you come on on rookie tight ends because, number one, I didn't know if there was even that much to say. And number two, I know that you can be long-winded like, your, oh. like myself. So here's yeah, my, my question. Uh, for for both of you and Joe, I'll start with you. Are rookie tight ends like ever a thing? Are are they are they usually a thing? It just I, I can't think of very many. Maybe like Jeremy Shockey. Joe, you can start on this one. Rarely, um, I, Jeremy Shockey uh, was a good one back in the day. Uh, Rob Gronkowski actually scored a bunch of touchdowns as a rookie, but it's it's really not something that. It, 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 for some reason, it, it's the position where the least impact comes as rookies. Um, it, I wonder if it's just because there's fewer of them. I also wonder if it's because it's such a hard position to learn. Because in, in the traditional sense, if you're going to be a running, if you're going to be a tight end, you have to understand the run game, and you have to understand the full passing game. You have to you have to know it all because you're going to be both a blocker and a receiver. Now, maybe things are changing in this day and age where tight ends are separated from the formation so much. They're more uh, uh, to borrow a term from our guy, Greg Cosell, ex iso to the backside of trips. Uh, if if you they're, they're doing more of those things, they're more just wide receivers. But I think there's a lot of learning curve when it comes to tight ends. And I think that's why you often see tight end coaches, maybe maybe aside from qu quarterbacks, coaches. The position coach that gets elevated the most to offensive coordinator and then head coach because the tight ends have to involve the entire offense. You've got to know the full run game and you've got to know the full passing game in order to really break it down. So um, I, it's just been traditionally a harder position to learn, a harder position for guys to get acclimated to. And um, on top of that, for this particular rookie class, it was not a very deep one, not top heavy at all. So, I mean, you even look at last year where, where Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson went in the first round. And even those guys really didn't do a whole lot for fantasy. Probably shouldn't expect that this year, though there are some interesting names for Dynasty. All right. So, Guru, whether it's Dynasty or season long, we got Cole Komet to the Bears in the second round, which I thought was weird. Patriots took two in the third, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. The Packers took uh, Josiah DeGuara in the third round. Supposedly they're going to use him like use check with the Niners. I'm a little intrigued by Adam Troutman in the third round to the New Orleans Saints. 
Then you got guys after that, Harrison Bryant to Cleveland, Albert O. Joe knows how to pronounce his name to the to the Broncos, Parkinson Seahawks, Bryson Hopkins to the Rams. Are any of these guys in your mind, Guru, first of all, a thing for season long this year? No, no. This is one of the worst tight end groups I've seen in quite some time. It's not even all that exciting for the long term. And I, I agree with everything, obviously, Joe said about the position. And, Ross, you can appreciate it. I mean, you, you need to know the passing game and you need to know, you know, the running game. You need to know a lot of them, you know, in line and blocking and all that. You know, and as Gil Brand always says, second hardest position to pick up as a rookie uh, other than tight end. Now, I, I do love TJ Hawkinson, and I did pump him up last year as a tight end, too. You take at the back end of your draft, 15th round, because I truly believe he's an absolute stud. After one game, I was like, yeah, and then he went away and – you know, for about three months. So um, it's rare that the rookies uh, get it done. But you, you did bring up a good name there in Jeremy Shockey. He was pretty good as a rookie. Um, but this year's class is bad. Uh, Troutman for the New Orleans Saints obviously is very athletic. And Jared Cook is um, obviously well over 30. So he's a great stash guy. Uh, Sean Payton is not going anywhere. Um, so Troutman has a real chance to be highly impactful. Asi Asi is uh, a guy that I you know, heard a lot about at the combine. He wasn't a name that people were talking about in terms of like top five at the position, but I was not shocked at all when he was a second tight end taken off the board just from conversations I had with people at the combine, scouts and the like. You kind of like him, you know, complete player. I interviewed him. He's a nice kid. He takes a lot of pride uh, in his blocking. He had a huge uh, game against USC in a rivalry game, so he showed up in big spots. I think he's got a chance, but he's got competition in Dalton Keene, and you just never know with the Patriots, so he's got a shot. Uh, I think my favorite is Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic, and uh, Charlie Weiss, speaking of him, uh, his son coached him last year, and Charlie sent me a text unsolicited, said, hey, pump up Harrison Bryant. I'm like, all right, and then I looked at the tape, and I'm like, wow, this guy's yeah, I like him. He he um, seems like a complete player. I know that he got open via scheme a little bit, but uh, I like him quite a bit. I, I think he's a better prospect overall than uh, Austin Hooper, who was obviously there, and Joku will likely uh, be gone. Albert O, you know, he did play with Drew Locke in Missouri, but we have Noah Fant there. So I do like Albert O, but yeah, overall, I think it's those three guys really stand out to me for dynasty leagues and the long term at the tight end position. What about for you, Joe, on the dynasty end of it? Who did you? Who do you like? Well, my top guy is Troutman, um, and the reason uh, Troutman's my top guy is because he's very productive in college. But I thought it was very intriguing that the Saints essentially made a mini Ricky Williams trade to trade up for him. They traded into the back end of round three, and they used their entire day three haul. To make the deal, they traded their fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks to move into the third round to, to draft Adam Troutman. And I think Troutman, I, look, I, I don't think he's going to be great as a rookie, but Jared Cook has no guaranteed money on his contract after this season. He's 33 years old. I think this is a pick for the future for the New Orleans Saints. So Peyton called him a true, kind of a traditional tight end inline blocker get down the seam I think that's fascinating as well but the guy that I've really become interested in in the last couple weeks 
And arguably the guy who I think might have the best chance to like produce as a rookie is Devin Asiasi from New England. Um, I think I just think it's so hilarious that Bill Belichick, uh, he's the he didn't draft a tight end in last year's his well, every every year we have a historically great something. But last year was a great tight end class. And everybody thought it was a guarantee the Patriots were drafting one because Gronk had just retired, uh, quote unquote, retired. Uh, and he didn't draft one. This year he drafts two in the third round, including Dalton Keene, who's going to be more of a fullback. So I think I think those guys are really interesting to me. I think Asi Asi might actually have the best shot, maybe outside of Cole Komet, to contribute as a rookie. But in terms of rookie production, it is not a great class. And while you and John were talking, I went and looked up uh, uh, all the rookie seasons by tight ends in NFL history because I knew – uh, there was one or two I was missing recently that were pretty good. But uh, Evan Ingram in 2017 had 722 receiving yards as a rookie. That is sixth best of all time. Jeremy Shockey, who we already mentioned on the podcast, 894 yards, second best of all time as a rookie. The best of all time, you have to go all the way back to 1961. Mike Ditka had 1,076 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns. That is by far the best rookie season for a tight end in NFL history. And that is, that is what, 59, almost 60 years ago. Uh, Jeremy Shockey had the second best. Only one tight end in NFL history has gone over 1,000 yards in his rookie season. It is just not a position that contributes early. I mean, even since the year 2000, uh, we have very few guys even over 600 yards. Since 2000, only Jeremy Shockey, Evan Ingram, and John Carlson have gone over 600 receiving yards as a rookie. Noah Fant, who we just got done talking about, uh, yeah, you know, he made some plays, but he wasn't great as a rookie. He had 562 receiving yards. That is 19th most all time. So it just goes to show you that even the guy who had the 19th most receiving yards as a rookie tight end in NFL history, we're talking 100 seasons, he didn't really do much for fantasy. So I just would not anticipate these guys being particularly productive as we as we uh, talk about this season. If any of them top 500 yards, it would be beating the odds. Wow, that that I'm glad you looked that up, Ditka. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but that he was he was he was Hanson's tight end one that year. As a <laughs> Speaking of John, uh, Ditka, John, John had him as tight. End, John had Ditka as tight end one that year. I did. I, I actually two, Ross. It, it was two, but uh, I was behind like like John Mackey. But um, Ditka coached in 1998. Actually, one of the better rookie seasons ever logged by a tight end. Let's call it the modern fantasy era. Uh, last 40 years. Remember Cam Cleland? Yes. At 54 catches for 684 and six touchdowns in 1998. And we're like, oh, my God, wow. I mean, that was actually a very good year even then and probably still now for a rookie tight end. Of course, he didn't really do much after that. Yeah. Seventh best so, of all time, John. Yep. Wow. Here, here's my qu last question for you guys. This actually comes from a listener, Joe Rosnowski. I think he actually – Signed up for Fantasy Points. Use the code FEAST, all caps, so you can ask questions if you do that, too. He had a specific question about Bryson Hopkins, who is our buddy Brad Hopkins' son. Yeah. Fourth round of the Rams. And his question was basically, 
why did the Rams take him when they have Everett and Higby? And I guess looking at it, I think they gave Higby a new deal. My guess is maybe they'll let Everett walk after this year because this is the fourth year of his deal. But uh, that's my guess. I don't expect Hopkins to like play over either one of those guys. Do you? No, no. In fact, last year before Tyler Higby broke out, I thought the Rams should have traded him because they weren't using him. And I loved him as a prospect. My guy, Adam Kaplan, informed me of him at the that year going into the draft um, from like probably senior bowl or something like that. And I was like, wow, I looked him up and I'm like, damn, this guy moves really well. I wouldn't be surprised, guys, if Hopkins pans out He's a pretty good prospect. Maybe the Rams trade Gerald Everett in season. I agree. Um, I wow. think Everett could be a. I think he could be a trade target. Um, uh, also, obviously Higby's going nowhere. They extended him, and this is just uh, the Rams kind of building for the future. And, and you know what's interesting? They had a strange draft. They drafted for like flexibility on offense. You know, they spent second round picks on both a running back and a wide receiver. They drafted Cam Akers, who we talked about. Ross and also they drafted uh, Van Jefferson, the wide receiver. Uh, by the way, also the son of an NFL player, Van Jefferson, Sean's Jefferson's kid, and Bryson Hopkins is Brad Hopkins' kid. Uh, Hopkins can really move four six six at two forty five. Uh, the one problem that I saw with him, hands, really inconsistent. I, I mean, yeah. he made some spectacular catches, but I think he had some concentration drops. And that's probably why he fell to the fourth round. But he's a good prospect. And I just think this means whether Everett's traded or he walks after this year, I think Hopkins is going to be the number two tight end behind Tyler Higby in 2021. Guru, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm so glad you started a new site and didn't elect to just hang out on the Jersey Shore in retirement. Instead, you're going to work your butt off for another five to ten years at least at fantasypoints.com. And thank you for the Joe Dolan hookup. He has been terrific. Thanks, dude. No problem. Later. Good stuff, Joe. That was awesome. It always is. Already looking forward to next week where we do a little best ball tutorial, best ball advice. When you're playing in these best ball leagues in May and June and July, hopefully against us, what exactly are the strategies that you should employ? Should be an absolute blast Again, check us out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL at RTF podcast. If you just rate and review the show, that counts to get into the best ball 10 against me and Joe naming four winners next week. Very much looking forward to it. I think I hit the fantasy points.com code feast, all caps enough. So I won't go there again. You know about rating and reviewing the show. Other than that, Greg Cosell, Cosell's concepts. We're doing personnel groupings tomorrow. Do not miss it. People love this, these Cosell concepts. Anyway, uh, I'm stuffed. I'm full. I'm kind of ready for RTFP tomorrow, and then I'm ready for Memorial Day weekend. I'm done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. If you love the Last Dance documentary about Michael Jordan and the championship run of the Chicago Bulls in the 1990s, then you'll definitely want to see The Final Dance, premiering at BetOnline.ag this Thursday, May 21st. 
Dave Kaplan's compelling interview with former teammates Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges, and Ron Harper answers some of the questions raised in the Last Dance documentary, including who leaked the dirt to investigative reporter Sam Smith for the best-selling book, Jordan Rules. In this exclusive preview, Jordan teammate Horace Grant addresses the long-standing rumors of his involvement. All right, Horace, I got to ask you. So Michael says, oh, yeah, Horace was the guy going to Sam Smith and giving him all that. So I'm going to set the floor to you. Do you want to dispute what Michael said? Let, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, Before my brother speak, let me – it okay, wasn't him. Ahead, it wasn't him. And I said that before, and I'm going to say it now. Now go ahead, Horace, but it wasn't him. Listen, let me tell you, man. That's a damn lie. I wish I could say something else, but that's a damn lie. You know, Sam Smith was an investigative reporter. And when you write a book, I guess you have to have two sources, correct? Correct. Why would MJ just point me out? If you got a, a problem with me, come to me. Then we can take care of it like men. Don't try to put me out there because I didn't uh, say anything to Sam in the sanct- in the sanctity of that locker room. Point point blank. And for an example, Sam spent more time with a lot of other uh, my teammates. He even spent time with MJ up in the MJ suite and on the golf course and lunch and dinners. So for him to come out and say that, that's just a, a, a blinking lie. Lie, lie, lie. If you want to tell lies, go ahead. You know, it's a free country. <laughs> you can find the final dance interview in its entirety this Thursday, May 21st at betonline.ag. Bet online. Your online wagering solution.